So today it's just me and Ben again. Sorry, we don't have any amazing marketers as guests, but we wanted to give you the inside scoop of a campaign that we ran internally. And hopefully you've already seen this campaign and have an idea of what we're talking about. I'll be so happy if you did. But we're going to talk about our state of the interactive product demo report. We're not going to talk necessarily just about what we found from it, because you probably are sick of hearing about what I found from it on my LinkedIn posts. But instead, we're going to talk a little bit about how we created this report. It really was created from taking the top questions from our customers and prospects, sourcing the sales team like Ben and his team. So I thought it'd be interesting versus talking about like takeaways, you know, you can read the report for yourselves, really talking through like how we went about making this report ourselves and then promoting it. And then on the flip side, hearing how sales uses it. I think so often marketing, you know, we put in all this work, make these giant reports and we're like, okay, is this actually helping pipeline? Is this actually helping close deals? So excited to hear Ben's take on it. But before we dive into the report, Ben, are you off your Coors Banquet kick or are you still drinking it? Still drinking it. Still very much on it. I don't have a good reason or excuse for it other than I just kind of like go through different phases with beers. And right now it's banquet and I guess it will be for the foreseeable future. I do take a slight offense that every time it's just you and me on this podcast, you always sound a little downtrodden. I personally am really excited that it's just you and me today. Well, not that it's not exciting, but more, I feel like we've had some, you know, big names recently. And so it's just our names today. I forgive you. Um, I'm excited. I kind of made a cocktail, sort of. The ice already melted. Um, but I took inspiration from Molly's drink a few weeks ago. And I made like a little, I used like cucumber mint vodka with a little bit of lime seltzer. So it kind of feels like a cocktail. It might just be fancy vodka water, but it has some like floral elements like she had. You're not doing dry January, Natalie? No. Let me get your 30 second take on dry January. Good for you if you're doing it. I had like, I, I traveled in January. I had some things. There was no way I was doing dry January. All right. Fair enough. Well, cheers. Cheers. Are you anti? No, I'm not anti dry January or anti uh, New Year's resolutions, but I am like a little bit anti. You have to like wait for a specific date on the calendar to start implementing changes. Yeah. I'm just trying to like, my goal of this year is to drink less when I don't have like, I feel like it's often like events, so I'm just trying to do less things. Like my New Year's resolution is to do less on Monday and Tuesday. Like that's literally my goal. As we're recording on a Tuesday. <laughs> okay. Well, now that I've broken my New Year's resolution publicly on the podcast, let's talk about something I did accomplish, the report. So I guess just very basic, taking a big step back, Ben, why is it helpful to like have a report like this for the sales team and... Why do you guys like need data? That sounds super dumb, but why do sales teams need data like this? Okay, yeah. So first of all, as everybody, if you are like a fan, a diehard fan, I don't really think those exist of Revenue of the Rocks, but if they did, you would know that I'm not a huge content person. And what I mean by that is I don't typically implement or rely on a lot of content in my selling deal cycles. That being said, the State of the Interactive Demo Report has been like a huge game changer for us here at Novatic because we sell in an extremely competitive space. We're always trying to differentiate ourselves. And this idea that came, you know, a couple of years ago now, it's our second one we've done, is basically a way to differentiate ourselves as a consultant and an expert in the space. An example of this that I think everyone will be able to relate to is I think this is why Gong became a rocket ship, right? Like killer product. There's a million reasons, right? But one of the main reasons is when you think gong, you think content and not just content, but like the emails you get in your inbox that are like super clean, easy to digest and always very like objective and data focused. And you feel like you just learn something from their content every time you kind of become an expert. 
that's what these reports enable us to do. So why do I love it and why do I use it? Honestly, selfishly, it's because it kind of keeps me an expert in our space. It will help me on calls to be able to say, this is what we're seeing. This is the ROI you can expect. Here's what the best converting interactive demos look like and do. So while it's really useful for our prospects and customers, I would say it's tremendously helpful just to keep us at our top game and really come off as a consultant because I like to think that our prospects are asking all the other vendors in the space, hey, give me some stats or examples about XYZ and maybe they don't have them. And meanwhile, our team not only has them off the cuff, but we can also share that report after the call. So it's been tremendously impactful for us as we continue to try to differentiate ourselves. Yeah, I think your point of like, we just kept getting a lot of these questions. Like that's really what it came from. And if you're debating doing a report, just sit down with your sales and CS team and say, what questions do you get constantly? I was getting them as a marketer. I was seeing them on LinkedIn. And at some point you're like, I just want a quick way to answer these and not, you know, an individual blog post for every single one of these answers. Some consolidated way to really say, like, what are the best practices around interactive demos? And I think because this is also a newer space, there really weren't a rule book. There wasn't plays. So it was also cool, especially with the second one. I think now some of those best practices are more solidified, but when we did the first one, but it was really cool to kind of write the playbook a little bit too. And just taking our own customer data and seeing, you know, of our demos that perform the best, have the highest conversions, highest traffic, what are they doing differently? Ben, on your side, like how do you guys, I guess, like take notes of these questions? Is it just obvious? Because I'm sure there's some marketers thinking, yeah, I could ask my sales teams these questions, but I don't know if they'd really help me or really know, like, is there anything your team's doing or do you just get them frequently off? You just know off the back of your hand. I would say it's a little bit more broad on calls, but it's become more popular, which is interesting. It might speak to like the broader climate we're selling in right now. Typically, the way it works on calls is somebody will say, hey, you know, I'm revamping our website and we want to incorporate interactive demos. Do you have any content you can share around best practices or like best highest converting demos? Think about yourself in our space specifically, if you're sitting there in the sales team and your initial thought or answer is, shit, no, the answer is no, I, I don't have that. I'm going to have to go like ping CS to ask them for a quick testimonial or like trying to manufacture something. So it's very, very, very helpful to not only say like, yeah, we actually do have that. But the way I'll go about it on calls is I'll actually share my screen really quick. I'll pull it up and be like, yeah, we actually do. We just released this report. We do it every year. Here's a quick glimpse of it. It's like a five minute read, just kind of going over the metrics. I'll send this over to you after. And they always light up and get really, really excited about it. So I think companies are starting to require objectivity and metrics and statistics a little bit more on like the pre-sale side than they were before, probably because budgets are a little bit tighter. You have to fight a little bit harder for spend. And so I definitely think it's a trend that we're going to see more and more. And again, this is all coming from someone who really, really is not a huge fan of content in the sense of like relying on it to close deals. But I do think, you know, adapt or die. And it's something that we are certainly getting requested for more. I was going to ask, is this something you saw at your past companies? Like you mentioned now in this current climate that we need more justification towards spend at other SaaS companies you worked at. I don't have to say specifics, but did you guys have this type of data and was it requested? Um, we were more, a lot more reliant at my time at Front on customer testimonials. We had like this beautiful customer testimonial library. The team over there did a phenomenal job. We had some really, really impressive testimonials. So I would say that's what we relied on quite heavily, which still today, you know, at Nevada, we big on logo flexing, big on testimonials. That certainly works as well. Yeah, but I think kind of to your point before of usually when if you don't know in the moment, then you have to ping CS, hope there's a case study that works with it. 
One thing that I've really liked about this report is it's not just like relying on another department to get data. It's a, it's one that we have internally. And I think there's always a little bit of tension between marketing and sales and getting case studies and CS falls in there as well, where it's like they have a million asks for them. We don't necessarily want to upset the customer, but sales need those case studies. Like it's a kind of another way to work around just case studies. And because you're objectively looking at the data, you also don't necessarily need to get it approved by your customers. I think also testimonials, they're solid, but disingenuous is the wrong term, but sometimes they get a little bit exhausting in the sense of like, if you're a software company and you have a killer testimonial, and then I go on your website like two and a half years later, and it's still there, it's still like the main testimonial promoting, it's like, gosh, why haven't they had like another customer testimonial since? So they can be a little exhaustive. And I think that buyers maybe are probably like, have a little bit of fatigue of testimonials in G2. Like that's the other route most people will fire off is like, oh yeah, check out our G2 reviews and here's some testimonials. I just think it feels a little bit more impactful around like, here's a report that we spent a ton of time on that is very recent. It's up to date. I tend to think it lands a little bit better. I also do think that like there is a huge emphasis on maybe being first in your space with these reports. Like a question I was excited to ask you, Natalie, let's say one of our biggest competitors pumped out something similar three, four months ago. Would you still have wanted to put this report together? Yes, because we made the first one. Okay. All right. Let me rephrase. What if what if we weren't the first to the party here? Would you have wanted to pump out something very like adjacent a few months later? No, I think I'd probably want to take a different angle. I think there's going to be multiple competitors who release a report. Like no one has priority on a report. And even we've seen some competitors release reports on something like a little adjacent. But I think what's different about ours is it's like our customer data, our customer best practices for our use case that we know works best. So in theory, like if you're doing a very good report, no one else should be able to exactly replicate it. So I think it would depend how similar it is to some of the takeaways from findings we'd have. But I'd want to find a new angle or like a different data point that we could look at that maybe they don't have. And I think part of it too is not to brag about us, but part of what makes these reports a lot more legit is like a volume of it. Like I remember talking to someone else who used to put out a big report every year, another marketer, a pretty well-known established SaaS company. And they were saying that part of the benefit of the report is every year you get to show off how many customers or in their case, it was like how much spend was on their platform. So it's also like, you know, if you have a newer competitor in the space, they might be able to create a copycat report, but if they don't have the data to back it up, it's not as impressive as if you say, you know, we look through X number of demos versus like a smaller database. This is good. Let's get into like reports that we've seen that we like and reports that we've seen that we haven't liked. Because I have another example of a report that I I typically will not, I won't spend a lot of time on. And I frankly, like, I won't believe it. I won't really appreciate it. And that's the report that's written. This may be a little more startup focused, but like written by a founder or a co-founder who like writes effectively an essay around their take on the market. And it's like, this is so subjective. It is so biased. It's not based on data. It's just kind of like your preference. So if you're considering building a report for the first time, maybe stay away from just asking your founder to like put their thoughts down on paper in 10,000 word essay. And I don't think there's something wrong with like a thoughts on the market, but to your point, it should be called a report. I do think that is something like it just a little inside scoop is be aware that people are going to ask you questions about how you collected the data. Be aware that people are going to ask like I, so for this report, we did like an early access program where before we officially launched, which 
by the time this podcast comes out, will be officially launched. Um, we let select customers and select people request on LinkedIn access to the report. And I've gotten feedback from people saying like, I didn't understand the stat or really asking me to clarify about certain stats or again, where did the data come from? How did you have these takeaways? And it helps that I help put it together and reviewed the top 1% of demos and could say myself like, no, I saw these trends, but I think I'd be wary of sometimes people do half collected data or maybe outsource the data and don't really understand where it comes from or what the takeaways are. And people will ask you, especially like we sell the growth marketers who tend to be pretty data focused. To Ben's point, you kind of can't just like write your opinions and act like it's data. And you also have to be careful of not too much cherry picking data. I think that can also be really tempting. And I'm not going to lie and say that like every single stat that we found was published. We want to publish the most important ones, but you can't also just like make the data work how you want it to work. So I have a question for you, Natalie, and I apologize if this like makes you feel bad, but do you have an example of a report that you've pumped out maybe at Nevatic or previous companies that kind of fell flat? And do you have any idea why compared to like the report that you've put together here that's been so successful? I don't think I've ever done a report this big at other companies, so that's hard. I'd say we ran our first ever report. We just did it not about our own product data. We did a research report around just like demoing in general. And I don't think that was bad. I don't think it's as good as what we have now, but it was based off of survey data that was a little, we didn't collect probably enough survey data. It was a little more qualitative. Like I think if you can start with your first party product data, I'd recommend that over survey data. You can layer survey data on top of it. And that's probably a miss that we did for this report. But I think the goal should be something that no one else can create. And when you're doing a survey, unless it's just like your customers who are loyal to you, almost anyone else could run that survey. Mm, that makes sense. I have to give you credit too. And maybe we can talk about maybe the evolution of the first report to the second report. Because the first report was amazing as well, right? Like we all lost our minds internally when that came out. It was incredible. Like prospects loved it. It was a great lead generation machine. But then what you did this year that I really appreciated ties into marketing and sales relationships is, you know, three, four months ago, whatever it was, you ping the sales team and you're like, hey, we're starting to kick the tires on our 2024 report. What are we missing? What are you getting asked in all of your sales calls and your discovery conversations, the questions you're getting from prospects that you want answers to? And we as a sales team were able to jot down and like in a doc, hey, here's like our most requested metrics or, or what would be really, really helpful and insightful to have. And then you took it and ran with it. So like the first report you built I feel like you pretty much like dictated all of like the topics and that was totally fine. And it was still amazing. But this report, you were like sales team, what do you guys need? What would be helpful? What are we missing? And it was, it was great. And we'll continue to iterate on it year over year, I'm sure. And I think what really made a difference this report, like last year was much more customer focused. Like most of the questions were sourced from customer success. It was much more like best practices for building an interactive demo, which are still very much alive in this report. But this one, we also kind of wanted to address some prospect questions. That's like, why should I use a demo over a video? Like that's one we get all the time. And now we have some data around it. What are some different use cases that I could be using my interactive demo, kind of selling it internally? Like the first report we put out, it was more for the current customer to make sure that if they are building a demo, how to make it great. This report is both still for that customer, but also a little bit for that prospect. If someone really wants an interactive demo, how can they sell it internally? I actually had a consultant who was part of the early access program reach out to me and say, you know, like, thank you so much for sharing. I've been trying to pitch my clients on interactive demos, and now I have some data to prove it. I think that was an interesting balance, was trying to figure out how we could make this report both valuable to customers and prospects of like, whether you're using interactive demos or not, 
you can get some data from it. Following up on that, because you just mentioned the early access program, tell me a little bit about that. I'm not quite as familiar with that on the sales side. I guess maybe it sounds like somewhat familiar to like running like a POC or something. But what is an early access program? How do you determine who's in it and why is it valuable? Yeah, I think I thought of this similar to kind of like beta testing. So to your point, kind of similar to POC. And I'd love to say this is like so many things I feel like I do. I'd love to say I had this plan from the very beginning of making this report. It was more, we had the data of the report available like a month and a half before the actual report was made. You know, the styling, making sure all the copy was there. So we were sitting on like a good amount of data and information that we could start using to promote the report. Like we wanted to start getting word out that this report was coming, but we were like, it's not going to be ready and stylized for a little while. You know, internally we were promoting it. We had our advisors promoting it, but it felt kind of sad just to leave it out. Like here's some data, the report's coming in maybe a month, month and a half, because that's when it was. So I was like, oh, what if we could give some people early access? I'm sure it's going to be like 10 of our customers who want it, but at least this post will have a CTA and people who are really excited about interactive demos will have a chance to look at it early. So it was partly to give the post to CTA, partly I know it helped boost engagement, obviously comments, because I did want feedback for setting it live, similar to beta testing. I was like, oh, I feel great if we could get some people in our ICP to view the report before setting it fully live. And then it went so much bigger than I ever expected. I did not think this many people would want early access to the point where it's like before Christmas and people were like, when is the report going to be done? I was hoping to build some demos over the holidays and I felt so bad. I was trying to take screenshots, but it was still in a Google Doc. And I was like, I can't share my internal Google Doc with you. I'm sorry. I think it just exposed how much of a gap there was that people who are actively building demos didn't have this data or best practices, especially wanted up-to-date data. Like obviously we have a report from last year, but that's almost a year old at this point. So that was kind of the concept of a way for people who were interested, engage with our LinkedIn posts, some of our top customers. We actually also emailed it to all the customers featured in the report because it's based off of our top 1% of customers. We don't publicly say who that is, but internally we let all those customers know just as an added little like, hey, you are your top 1%. Congrats. By the way, here's early access to the report. Did you have a favorite piece of feedback that actually was really, really, really helpful to the report that you iterated on? And maybe on the flip side of that, did you get any feedback or like, mm, I don't agree with that and I'm not going to implement that? So the best feedback I got early on, and this was even before the early access program, this was just for our advisors. I started sending them some of the top data points. One constant question they asked me that didn't even cross my mind at first was like, okay, you're focusing this whole report around the top 1%, but how does that benchmark against like top 25% against more of an average cohort? And then on top of that, what do they do differently? And that was kind of in the report, but not really upfront. And if you've seen any of the messaging, that's actually what I based most of my messaging off of. How is that 1% different? Like, and before we just showed what the 1% were doing, but we didn't explicitly say, hey, the top 1%, I think it's like a 3x higher conversion rate than the top 25. And here are the four reasons that we're taking away from the data why we think the top 1% has that higher conversion rates and engagement rates. So that was some really good feedback early on and kind of to make it more broad, you can find some things in the data and you assume it's obvious, but sometimes it's not. Like ask people like, what is the main takeaway or what's the main thing you have more questions on? And then if everyone's saying the same, like, oh, I'm wondering why this top 1% is different, plaster that at the top of the report. One observation I had <clears throat> about the report, Natalie, and you might not have thought this was like a big deal and like maybe this is just me, 
but obviously we live in a world where we are just inundated with content all of the time. So something that was really important to me about this report was like the ease of like digesting it. Was that extremely intentional? Like the way this report is laid out is like there's a table of contents on the left. So at any time you kind of click through the different topics you're most interested in, skip over the stuff you don't really care about. Even the topic sections themselves are like not terribly long, right? Not super wordy. There's tons of graphs. If you just want to get like a quick high level overview, you could honestly just scroll through the report and look at like the graphs and the data points. You wouldn't even have to read any of the copy really to understand what the report is all about. I think it's tremendously important to have success with the report is like, how digestible is it to people who like to digest content in different ways, right? Like you might like to read every word. I might be a little bit more of like a pictures and graphs kind of guy. So like how important and impactful that was that for you? Because that was huge for me that it wasn't just like a 10,000 word essay that I had to read. Yeah, I think that came from a few different places. Um, one, and thank you. I, that like As far as your feedback that was kind of ignored, your question earlier, I got some feedback on positioning of the different sections and I really wanted it to flow in a story of that concept of from prospect to customer. But the first half is more if you're exploring interactive demos and you want some data to back it up, the second half is more best practices. So I felt very strong about keeping it in that sense. That was some not bad feedback, but some people told me to reorder some things. To your question of how did we decide that? One, um, it's just a lot of data. I think there was 30 something charts in this, like 3x amount of data of last year. So I just was like, I need to keep this short. Like I can't write a lot because of all the graphs. I think second, I've seen a lot of reports that are really text heavy and I tend to just like skim over all the text. And it's like a hundred page report that I can tell there's a lot of time put into writing all this text, but I'm just skimming straight to the graphics. So it's like, why do we have all this? Yes, you want to set it up and explain it, but I feel like often the text is kind of filler, like adding your own interpretation to it when really it's supposed to be a more data-driven, less personal opinion piece. And then honestly, like I was the one who wrote the report. I wanted to keep it brief. I wanted to keep it similar to how we communicate in our marketing and brand. We tend to have a briefer, more concise brand. So I wanted to keep that there and maybe not write a thousand words. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you went with that approach. And it gives me more confidence sharing it with prospects, knowing that they're not going to be intimidated by it, right? Like I would never share my screen on a call and be like, yeah, check out this report and then show just like a doc of like 10 pages of just nothing but copy, right? Like that's not very aesthetic. I know they're not going to read it. So yeah, I have like full confidence, like sharing it, letting people see the images on calls, all that good stuff. So yeah, I really appreciate that. It makes sharing it out a lot easier. And like, I have more confidence that my prospects will actually spend some time in it. And I think last shout out there was designing the report. We also made it so you could link to the individual sections. So for example, when CS is sharing it, they just share maybe the like best practices for building section versus the top part about interactive demos versus videos. If you're considering a report, try to make the different sections shareable so that they don't have to read the whole report. Then I'm curious, you know, we talked about this year versus last, like, is there anything you're like, ah, I felt this was kind of missing in this report or like what would be a 10 out of 10, what would be like a 15 out of 10? Okay, I have an answer here, but I don't want you to think that because I had an answer so quickly that it's because I've spun something that's been like keeping me up at night. Ben hates the report. I love the report. I've read it a few different times. We're actually setting up some flashcards with my team in the next week or so to make sure everyone's familiar with the updated stats because it's really important to do that. I would have liked to incorporate an interactive demo or two into the report to make it a little bit more meta, a little bit more fun. I know that is very niche to Novatic. I'm not saying every report needs to include that. 
But the more demos we can incorporate into our content, the better it is for us selling the report to be like, here's this badass report that you're going to love. And oh, by the way, there's a couple of demos sprinkled in throughout it. That is my only feedback. Yeah, that's good feedback. I'll take it. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. Okay. It's fair to be dog good feedback to dog food as much as possible. Um, I did also, I'm not just trying to breeze over your feedback. I did want to touch on the flashcards though, because I think that is going to be relevant to our audience. Because I know that's a question people often get. It's like, okay, I made my sales team this great report and data and they don't memorize or know it. Like, how are you incentivizing your team to learn these stats? We are going to have some fun with it in typical sales fashion. We're going to make it into like a little bit of a happy hour, 45 minutes. We're doing these like virtual, um, like flashcard platform that Neil found, of course. Going to have some drinks, run through flashcards, and it's going to be like a scoring system. And whoever wins is going to win like a $100 Amazon gift card. Can I come? I won't play because that'd be unfair. You can come, but you can't moderate it because I want to moderate it because I don't want to play because I'm pretty confident I would lose. And I'm pretty sure I know who on our team is going to win, but I'm not going to share. Fair. Oh, I want to observe. I want to, because that will help me understand like what stats were easy to understand, what stats weren't, and also just to drink with the team. I'm going to position the questions, not just like a flashcard platform me like the way i'm going to do it is going to be like hey i'm a prospect okay like let's role play okay my question is i'm redoing my website you know where on the web page should my demo live based on like highest conversion rates mm. and i want to see like how quickly you know what i mean like yeah. incorporate it into how they'll actually have to discuss this in person mm-hmm. and then i can also just sit back and see if you're moderating the questions right okay you're not invited <laughs> Yeah, I saw that one coming. Uh, but that's a great idea for other people who have like content or reports that are really important. Like make it fun. Don't make it a chore to memorize these stats. And like also I think a good thing to that we are trying to do too is as we mentioned, there's like 30 graphs in there. It'd be kind of ridiculous to say like memorize all of them. I'm sure you're pulling out the ones that you know will actually be relevant to most sales goals. For sure. Cool. Well, I think that's all we had to talk about as far as the state of the interactive product demo. I don't know if we ever said the full name of the report. That's actually, that's my tip if you're making a report. Don't make it so long or name the state of the interactive product demo report is long. And wait, a quick funny side story. So I've been shortening it to the acronym. And then I slacked the acronym to a marketer and they were like, what is that? Do you mean stupid? It looks like stupid. It looks like stupid. (laughs) So don't, that's the biggest tip. Don't make your report name so long that you have to add an acronym to it. And don't make your report name look like stupid. Yep. Yeah, that's solid feedback too. I think that's fair. Cool. But if you do have any questions on how we made the report, if you want to see the report, anything like that, it should be out by now. But if you want to talk to me at all about it, this was like my dream project for a little bit. Also, huge kudos. Also had like engineering team, our product team helping out with collecting the data, CS and sales, incorporating the questions, having our designer help make the graphics look good. Like this was a huge team effort, but something I just have been very closely working on for the past few months. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Cheers, everyone. Cheers.